0: Well, later tonight, the college football playoff rankings come out. If Washington is outside the top four, I'm going to be very unhappy. You are locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everybody to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free. But until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions like comment subscribe rate and review please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show which today is brought to you by prize picks go to prizepickscom slash locked on college use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100 daily fantasy sports made easy so we're going to get another edition of the college football playoff rankings tonight and boy I tell you I will have a another uh, call it a Spencer McLaughlin heater of a rant If Washington is left outside the top four, the Huskies just went through a three game stretch in which they played USC on the road. Who's a good, but not great team. And they went and played Utah at home. That's a good, but not great team. And then they played Oregon state on the road. That's, that's, that's pretty close to a great team. That's a, that's, that's a real good team. They're going to win all those games, as, as of course, they, they already have. And there are still, I have seen some rankings. I, I mean, Heather Dinich I believe, had one of the rankings. There were a couple other ESPN analysts who said, well, here's what my top six would be. And they kept Florida State in there. It's absolute ludic- absolutely ludicrous. I've read Heather Dinich's work for a long time. I think she's fantastic. I think she's dead wrong here. And anyone else who thinks that Florida State should be in the top four over Washington, is hilariously off base. I'm not even going to mention Jordan Travis here. I'm not going to introduce that component. And still, I'm going to be be able to lay out really clearly in the next few minutes why Washington should be inside the top four given their resume to date over Florida State. So Florida State has got two top 25 wins. I am basing that off of what a team was ranked when the team was played. And barring a catastrophic fall-off, like when Oregon beat Colorado, for instance, eh, that's not really much of a ranked win. But Washington, for instance, beating Utah last week, or Washington beating USC when they were ranked, the ranking at the time of the game is a reflection of how the opposing team is playing going into that particular matchup. And you being able To match that level and help contribute potentially, in some instances, to a team falling down, I think you should deserve credit for that and not be punished for it. The same applies to Florida State beating LSU. Is LSU a top five team? No. But is that win completely worthless? Also no. LSU might be having, or not not might be, would be having a better season if they hadn't lost to Florida State. But FSU's got two top 25 wins. They beat LSU in the non-conference in a neutral site game that was in the state of Florida, and they beat Duke. Okay, those are a couple couple of good wins. Beating LSU by 21, I think that's a great win. I think that is 100% a great win. I think beating Duke is a good, solid win. But they've got two top 25 wins. They trailed last week, a bad FCS team at home, 13 to nothing. I understand. I'm not going to sit here and punish you. For you know, coming out and, oh, you know, we kicked off and they went down the field and scored a touchdown. Like that doesn't matter. Final score of the game was 58 to 13. That is not how that game played out because there was a good stretch of time in which everyone was suddenly using the roll tide moniker to describe North Alabama, who's not just an FCS team. They're a bad FCS team. They haven't even been division one for that long. I don't think. FSU also on their resume has a blemish that is a win but not a great result in which they easily could have lost at Boston College, who's not that good. That's the Florida State resume. They are unbeaten, though. Okay, credit where credit is due. Here's Washington's resume. Their best win came this past week when they went on the road at number 11 Oregon State playing in weather conditions that in theory neutralize what Washington does best and still found a way to beat a good team in a really tough environment to win where the only other team to win in the last two years have the Heisman Trophy winner on it. That's it. That's the only team before Saturday that in the last two seasons won a football game at Reecer Stadium, not named Oregon State. So that's their best win. They also have a top 10 win against Oregon. It was a top 10 matchup at the time. And Oregon is currently ranked as the highest ranked one loss team in the land. So if you're someone who's, well, you got to look at, you know, what teams are doing now, not where they were ranked at the time, then Washington's best win vastly, vastly surpasses the best win of Florida State. Washington is 4-0 in top 25 matchups. And if you're also someone who's into the, well, you got to see what teams become, not what they, not what we thought they might have been. How about Arizona? How does that win on the road look right about now? Because where I'm standing, that's about to be a nine and three football team. So Washington winning that game on the road, oh, that'd be pretty darn good. And I think Duke is a solid team and a decent story. And Mike Elko is a good coach. Yeah, Arizona is a better football team. Hate to break it to you. Now, the blemish on Washington's resume, they have two. I mean, they they don't literally have a blemish. This is, of course, an eye test sort of blemish. But these are the talking points that hold Washington out of being inside the top four at least to date. Well, they they only beat Arizona State fifteen to seven at home. Well, they you know they played a close game with Stanford. Okay, fair point. Not going to push back on that. Those were not good performances by Washington. How do you juxtapose that with a bad performance by Florida State? at Boston College, in which they won by just two points, and the fact that Washington's got significantly more quality wins. According to ESPN, Washington has the best strength of record in the country of any team that is unbeaten and going for a college football playoff spot. All of that. And by the way, I can also make a pretty easy argument that Washington has a better resume than Michigan. You know why? Because they do. They do. Michigan has one good win, and it's a great win. It's against then 10th-ranked Penn State on the road 24-15. to Mm -hmm. That's a great win. Not going to argue with you there. You know what else is a great win? Uh, Beating number 11, Oregon State, also on the road in horrible weather. So even if you remove that and you just say, okay, you know what, those two games are a draw. All right, all's fair. Michigan in the non-conference slate did not schedule a power five opponent, did not play a power five opponent either. So they're going to play nine power five teams, whereas Washington will end the year having played 10. And oh, by the way, Michigan this past week, for those of us who are again in the eye test department, beat Maryland 31-24. Oh, I'm so impressed. Oh, I'm I'm so very impressed. Washington's got four top 25 wins. Michigan's got one. No, Michigan state didn't turn out to be a good team for Washington to play this year. Uh, Michigan state though is still better than the, um, sorry, what was it? Oh yeah. Bowling green and UNLV. And I think East Carolina, then <laughs> Michigan played in their non-conference like until Michigan beats Ohio state. Washington's got a better resume. So if the college football playoff committee looks at the resumes of these teams, and I'm not going to be super upset because the eye test and margin of victory matters. And Michigan has passed those fronts for the most part, save for the Maryland game. And they were really impressive against Penn state for a number of reasons. Okay. You want to put Michigan ahead of, of Washington. I don't agree with that, but fine. But putting Florida state ahead of them, if the committee does that again, they should all be relieved of their duties because that's that would just be complete, utter ridiculousness. So that's how I feel about that. And hopefully the committee gets it right. Hopefully you're also aware of how great LinkedIn Jobs is because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified cans available. That is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free, which, you know, my dad taught me that free is a great price. I mean, nothing is actually free, but if you can find something that's free, that's that's a pretty good price. Go in there to LinkedIn Jobs, create a free job post in minutes, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires against their leading competitors. That's kind of what you're looking for there. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Okay, so hopefully the committee has got their senses about them. And these rankings are, you know, often reflective of results that came out the previous week. I would really like to see Washington rewarded for beating the number 11 team in the country on the road where they are almost unbeatable the last two seasons, more than Florida State gets rewarded for mm, playing an FCS team in the second to last week of the regular season. I'm so tired of this nonsense crap. Scheduling continues to be the biggest issue in college football forever and always. I will beat that drum from now until the end of time. It's not even going to get better in the 12-team playoff era. But that's a conversation for another day. Speaking of which, when you're talking about people who can hopefully be at their best, I'm a big fan of Josh Pate. Washington fans are not. And in this instance, I'm going to side with Husky fans. So I listen to Josh Pate's show. I think he's entertaining. I think he is insightful. I don't agree with every opinion he has. I I vehemently disagreed with his approach to his Monday reaction show or Sunday show. I listened on audio, so it came out on Monday. But he didn't talk about Washington until about 40 minutes into the podcast. Now, he can, of course, hide behind the defense of, well, you know, I talked about him. Don't say I don't like you or anything like that. I'm well aware as someone who hosts a daily podcast, as you're acutely aware of. Thank you very much for tuning in, by the way of how to structure a show. What you see as the biggest story is what leads your show. That's what I always put in the first segment of a show. What is the most important thing that people should be aware of in the Pac-12 Conference? And for the last two days, that's been Washington. Why? Because they keep winning these games in really impressive fashion. They're a really good team. They can make the playoff. They can compete for a national championship, and they continue to be undefeated. That's the biggest story in the conference. And they played the game of the week in all of college football right now. And I felt that Josh Pate pushing that up. I was really glad he went to Corvallis for his Once Upon a Saturday tour because that's where college game day should have gone. You all know, or at least every dayers know how I felt on that particular matter. I had a rant about it last Monday if you want to go check that out. But I don't think that Going to that game and talking about so many other storylines in college football before and framing Washington is like, oh yeah, by the way, this thing happened too. And then in the context of that discussion, only talked about the Huskies for about the same amount of time, a couple minutes, as he did defending the model, favoring Oregon State in the game, which I don't have a problem with. By the way, I thought Oregon State should have been the favorite in the game. Washington won the game and results matter above all else. I didn't think that was the best stuff from from Josh Pate. I am not in the camp that a lot of Husky fans, I think, are because of the JP poll. You know, I don't think Washington fans like Josh Pate very much at all. I'm not in that particular discussion. But I kept listening to the show and he's talking about Auburn's embarrassing loss to New Mexico State before he's talking about Washington. I'm going, That's that's not a bigger story. That is just simply put, not a bigger story, not the way the discussion should be framed. So I didn't care for that. And I think Pate should be better on uh, that particular front. So oh, let's hop into a couple other things here. Uh, so tiebreakers are, um, <laughs> have you seen what's going on over in the Big 12? I tell you what, th- there are literally, I believe, dozens of different outcomes in the Big 12 Uh, This is the problem when you get rid of divisions. Just to be clear, you should not have divisions in a conference. Should not have it. Now, in a mega conference, okay. Okay, I get it. But in a conference that's got 12 or 14 teams, nah, you shouldn't do it. Once you get to 16, 18, 20, then you can have a conversation about, I don't know where I'd put the cutoff line. I do know that if you have a 12-team conference like the PAC right now, or the Big 12 is 14 right now, you shouldn't have divisions. So they've got crazy tiebreakers over there. The Pac-12 tiebreakers are not going to be as wild as they were a season ago, in which you had all sorts of wild, exotic outcomes that were hard to plot, and where is everyone going to finish and all this sort of stuff. This year, it's very, very simple. Washington's into the Pac-12 championship game, regardless of whether or not they beat Washington State which I think they will on Saturday. They're 15 and a half point favorite. I think it might've moved to 16 and a half. I'd have to double check, but anyway, they're more than two touchdown favorite. I think they will be just fine. If Oregon beats Oregon state, the ducks are in no matter what, because they have one conference loss and everybody else has at least two Arizona lost to Washington, Arizona lost to USC. The wildcats though, do have a path to play in the Pac-12 championship game, which is crazy which is crazy, but that's how good they're playing right now or how good of football they're playing right now. They're playing exceptionally well, and they are playing Arizona State. I believe they are going to win the game and end the year 9-3, and even better than I predicted them before the season. And then if Oregon loses to Oregon State, Arizona is in. Why? How does that tiebreaker work? Oregon State at the moment is 5-3, and in Pac-12 conference play with losses to Arizona, Washington State, and Washington. If they were to beat Oregon, they would solidify themselves because of the head-to-head matchup that they had with Utah, who have four losses in conference play anyway, they'd solidify themselves as the number four seed in the conference standings. So the way the tiebreakers work and this question was uh, asked about by Doug, by the way. So Doug, here is your answer. The reason Arizona would get in is because Arizona and Oregon don't play this year. The way the Pac-12 tiebreakers work is fairly logical in, in in my view, and that would be you go down to the record against the next highest ranked common opponent. Meaning, how did you fare against the best team that you both played? So, Oregon if they lost to Oregon State on Friday would have a conference record of 7 and 2 if Arizona beats Arizona State they would also have a conference record of 7 and 2 the highest ranked conf- common opponent between Oregon and Arizona would be Washington they'd both have a loss so no one has an advantage they're battling out for the 2 and 3 spots and the next team would be Oregon State who'd be 6 and 3 Arizona beat Oregon State, Oregon would have lost to Oregon State in this hypothetical. So Arizona would get in. That actually makes a lot of sense to me because I think that your record against the best teams is kind of how you should decide who gets to play for the conference championship. There is no world in which Arizona gets to the conference title game if Oregon State loses this week. Beavs are about a two touchdown underdog. That's a lot of points. Maybe a hint as to what will come on the Pac-12 Prime Picks this week, in the last week of the regular season. But that's a lot. That's that's a lot of points for a rivalry game. Oregon is very good at home. We all know that. That's a lot of points for a rivalry game. But we'll talk about that more later in the week. But that's how the tiebreakers work. If that is not clear, or if I didn't explain it well, by all means, let me know. Shoot me a note on on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. You can also drop a YouTube comment as well. Twitter's a little bit more reliable because sometimes the comments can get weird and show up or not show up. I try to see as many as I can because I appreciate all of you watching and such. But that is the way the tiebreaker works, and that is why Arizona would be in if they win and Oregon loses to Oregon State. And those are the only teams that can play Washington in the Pac-12 title game, and the Huskies are in no matter what. So let's put that to bed. Something I saw that I really liked as ugh, such an old school, old head traditionalist college football fan that I really want to talk about. I really want to talk about prize picks too though, because that is what we call the largest daily fantasy sports platform in all of North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports is It's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you watch the winnings roll in. Prize picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So that maddening feeling when you play fantasy football of I put in so-and-so and he got hurt two minutes into the game. Well, too bad. You get zero points from that guy this week. You don't have that with Price Picks. They'll give you your money back if the guy gets hurt. So go to prizepickscom slash college. Use code College for a first deposit match up to 100 Prize picks.com slash lockdown college. Use code lockdown college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay. So the Apple Cup, the matchup between Washington and Washington State on the football field, has been renewed at least through 2028. I think this is great. There are conflicting views on this on both fan bases. Okay. Washington fans, some of them don't want to play Washington State. Ah, we don't need to. There's no upside. Washington State fans, some of them, ah, we don't want anything to do with you. You destroyed the conference and everything like that. I understand. I'm going to tell you where I come down on it because I've had a couple of different interactions online with people about this, and I find it to be an interesting conversation. I think this is a net positive for both teams. Is it a greater advantage for Washington State than Washington? Yes. However, there is upside for the Huskies. first and foremost, I am indeed at my core, an old school college football fan. I love tradition, I love history and everything that this sport has been built around to make it different than the NFL and make it the greatest sport in the world. It's built on games like this and I don't want to see them go away. I don't like that Kansas and Missouri don't play anymore. They share a border. They used to share a conference now they don't, they don't play. I think that sucks. I don't want to see that happen in these sorts of matchups. You know, at the very least, with all this conference realignment nonsense, Oregon and Washington will keep playing. Cal and Stanford will keep playing. The LA schools will keep playing and so on. The Arizona schools will keep playing and so on and so on. So that's the principal reason I like it. But from a football standpoint, I'm going to lay this out. And some Washington State fans might not agree with this particular take. That is okay. We don't have to agree. Just hear me out. I also hope that the Civil War follows. There are reports that that could be happening. I hope Oregon and Oregon State play every year. Here's why this is good for Washington State. The Cougs are sitting in the midst of a legal battle to get control of the Pac-12 with Oregon State and everything like that. They're trying to get clarity on their conference going forward, where they're going to play, what their schedule is going to look like. And that's the biggest key here. They don't know what their schedule is going to look like in all likelihood, at least for a year, they're essentially going to be de facto independents in college football. So if you're going to be an independent like a Notre Dame or a Liberty or formerly BYU, if you want to compete for one of the at-large spots in the college football playoff, what do you have to have? A quality schedule. It is not easy because of the backwards way that college football scheduling is done in which we schedule these matchups many, many years in advance in the non-conference slate. It is not as easy as you'd think or as easy as it can be in other sports like basketball or baseball or softball or the like to find quality non-conference opponents. And so if you're Oregon State and Washi- <coughs> excuse me, Washington State, you absolutely want to continue these rivalry matchups because those are guaranteed games against a Big Ten school. Yes, the rivalry component is still there. And yeah, going up against a Big Ten team as an independent, sure, there could be a discrepancy Find, you know from a financial standpoint, from a talent standpoint. When has that not existed, by the way? Last time I checked, the Apple Cup and the Civil War have been dominated by Oregon and Washington. But guess what? A win to Washington State and or Oregon would give them tremendous credibility as they play a relatively weaker schedule compared to what they can currently go through in the Pac-12, which, as we've discussed, is the deepest conference in America. They're not going to have that going forward. They're going to play more Mountain West teams. So the Power Four teams they are able to play need to be of the highest caliber possible. And you cannot ensure. you know, Oregon State, I think, has got Purdue on their schedule for 2024. Purdue is not a good pro. I mean, they're a decent program. But you can't be sure they're going to be good. You could be sure Oregon's going to be good. Washington State, not sure exactly who they've got. I didn't double check their future scheduling plans. But you can be sure that that's a quality game against Washington. Here's the other side of it: in the subjective world of the college football playoff committee and the and the uh, just the way the rankings are done, losses are taken into account when you're considering performance. Look at Oregon, for instance. Oregon right now, one of their, one of the linchpins of their schedule is that they only lost by three points to Washington. That's what, if they lose that game by 10, 15 points, they're ranked behind Texas and Alabama right now, but they lost by three on the road. So as a result, they're number six in the country. At least they have been the last couple of weeks. I don't expect that to change when the latest edition of the college football playoff rankings come out. So if you're Washington state or Oregon state, and you're trying to build the best at-large resume you can, yeah, sure, you'd love to pull you know, an upset every few years, which has happened in these rivalries, by the way. Oregon State's won two of the last three against the Ducks. That's huge for the program, and as they look to become you know, an at-large, group of five, independent team, whatever, beating the Ducks would be a big, big boost for them, and the same goes for the Cougs. The same goes for the Cougs that – if you're able to go to seattle and i think 2025 or a couple of years they're going to play it at a neutral site at lumen field where the seahawks play which is kind of fun I, I i i i dig that just because it's not a neutral site that's way out in the middle of nowhere like sure it'll still be mostly a home game for for washington but i'm kind of okay with that i mean it's literally like it's not that far away um but i think the upside there is so much greater than the downside the attention it brings to your program, the television ratings that that game will get compared to the ones that you'll get elsewhere, where the game could be televised. Well, we don't know. We have no idea where Washington State and Oregon State are going to televise their home games next year. But if you're going on the road to play Washington or you know Oregon, if you're Washington State or Oregon State, well, that game's going to be on national television. Could be one of the few you play all season. We don't know. So I think for all those reasons, the upside is real. I think the downside is minimal because you just can't guarantee right now that you're going to be able to get quality power four programs on your schedule, right? The, think about this, Washington State fans, the home and home with Wisconsin has been huge for the program in the last couple of years. Th- those are landmark wins and evidence of what I've said for a long time, that Jake Dickard is a good football coach, that he can beat that caliber of program two years in a row, once at home and once on the road. Big time stuff for Washington State. Unfortunately, they weren't able to build off it this year the way they wanted to since the Oregon State game. But still, those are big time wins. You're not going to be able to as easily schedule a team like Wisconsin when you're not playing at the power level. So I, I, I think assuring that you can have a quality, powerful opponent on your schedule every single year is really good. Is it as good for Washington? No, but I do still think there's upside for it. Number one for the fans who appreciate the tradition and the rivalry of the Apple Cup. But also, if Washington State and Oregon State as independents are able to be as competitive as they're capable of and play to their, you know, closer to their ceilings than their floors as programs when they move into this weird, you know, Pac two Mountain West independent sort of landscape, they're going to attempt to navigate, that can still be a quality win like, like t- tell me if tell me if it sounds completely out of the realm of possibility. any husky fans listening to or watching this that Washington State one year could end up being 10 and two with a loss to the Huskies, a loss to you know a good Mountain West team like a Boise State and then a bunch of wins against the Mountain West teams, maybe a win against a, a random power four or a good G5 team pick up a game somewhere like that. Tell me that that team couldn't, by the end of the year, be hovering around the top 25. Does that seem out of the realm of possibility? Because I don't think so. And I especially don't think that's true for Oregon State, but I don't think it's true for Washington State either that they're incapable of of achieving that, of getting to that sort of level. So that's why I'm in support of this. I want the Civil War to do the same thing. It might not be played at the same time of year as, as it currently is, but playing it early in the year is better than not playing it at all. And, and I think that both sides benefit. Certainly the schools being left behind benefit more than the schools going to the big 10, but I think there's enough on both sides to make this worthwhile. And I think this is a good thing for Washington state and for Washington. And I think this is a good thing for Oregon and Oregon state if the civil war follows suit. So I was going to talk about Jed fish, but ran out of time today. So that'll just have to come on tomorrow's show, but he'd be my vote for PAC 12 coach of the year. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.